This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. How does time look to you when you look at the world around you? And you look at the situation that you find yourself in right now. Do you realize and recognize the signs of the times that we are in right now? The reality that the coming of the Lord Jesus could be at any moment? Most believers, we speak that, but we don't believe that. The reason I say that is because if we believed it, we'd be acting different. We'd be living different. We can speak it, but is it really true in our life? Through this chapter in Romans, Pastor David will be exhorting you to wake up out of sleep and live as though you believe in the imminent return of the Lord. If the Lord were to come back today, would you be ready? If you're living for the flesh instead of living for the Spirit, then your actions reveal that you really don't believe Christ can come back at any time. The Apostle Paul exhorts all believers to live a pure and holy life and to forsake all known sin. Confess, repent, and wake up today. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 11, with our continuing study entitled, It is Time to Wake Up. How much effort, how much, again, emphasis is there placed in our lives for the certainty of eternity that stands before us versus the uncertainty? Gee, if I just save up enough, I can get that new car. Gee, if I just do this, I can grab that. If I just do this, if I hold on for a little while. And when we worry and fret about things that are so uncertain, and yet we don't even pay attention to the reality and the certainty of eternity. Paul knew And Paul kept driving it home to the early church. He wrote to the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want you to leave uh, Romans for a moment. Keep your place because we'll be back. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And listen to the word that Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica. In, In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writes these things to the early church. He says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brother... You have no need that I should write to you. Why do they have no need? Why? Because they understood. They understood that, man, the Lord could come at any moment. They understood that the things that were going on in life right there gave absolutely no guarantee of any other future. But they understood that the promise of Jesus Christ, that he would come again and receive them unto himself, was just as certain for them as anything that they could imagine. He says, concerning the times and seasons, brother, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety... Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day, and we are not of the night nor of the darkness. It's interesting, both the Romans passage as well as this passage here in Thessalonians. Paul uses that illustration of light and dark, of day and night, again to speak about the very clear division between those who are following Christ and those who are not following Christ. And he says if you are following Christ, you need to live as a child of the day. And if you're... Because too many of them, I believe, were living as though they were children of the night. They were living as non-believers. And Paul says, you and I ought not be that way. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. 
were not of the night nor of darkness. And then in verse 6, again, here he hits the same idea of waking up. He says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And this idea of being sober is to be right-minded, to have clear thoughts and a clear understanding, not, be co- not being controlled by the spirit of a bottle, but by the spirit of our holy God in our lives. He says, for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, clear-minded, right-thinking, putting on. Here he is, getting dressed. Put away the pajamas. Put on, the again, the breastplate of faith and of love and as a helmet of hope, of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Paul understood that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be at any moment, at any time. The early church understood, and they lived it. As a matter of fact, the eminence of the Lord's return was the very heartbeat of the apostles and the early church. They lived daily with that understanding. They lived with clear understanding because when he says, therefore, comfort each other with these words, edify one another, they lived in a horrendous situation, great persecution and trials. And the comfort that they had is, hey, hang on, brother. You know, our Lord is coming and eternity waits for us. It wasn't an escapism mentality, but it was an understanding that this time in this place is but for a moment. We're but a breath. We're but a vapor. And then eternity waits before us. And again, we can be comforted in that. And the fact that, you know what, right now, life is a struggle. Life is a battle. There's a... Tremendous amount of attacks that are going on. But you know what? Eternity awaits us. And if I can just focus on eternity and the understanding that my God understands and sees exactly where I'm at, then again, that brings comfort, that brings edification to me. Now, you might say, yeah, but you know what? That's first century. And they were saying the Lord was coming back then. And he still hasn't come. This is like 2,000 years later, and he still hasn't come. So what's up with that? But you know what? Peter understood that too. And in Second Peter chapter 3, Peter even says, you know what, there are some that are going to mock that saying. They're saying, hey, the fathers have said that for a long time, and it hasn't happened. But Peter says, you know what, the long-suffering of the Lord is because of his patience, not willing that any would perish, but that all would have eternal life. That a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. The Lord's not in a hurry, and all of this is just but for a moment. He realizes it's but for a moment. You and I are the ones that figure that we're living for eternity right now. We're not. It's a moment, just a flash. And so I ask the question to you guys, what about now? How does time look to you when you look at the world around you? When you look at the situation that you find yourself in right now, do you realize and recognize the signs of the times that we are in right now? The reality that the coming of the Lord Jesus could be at any moment? Most believers, we speak that, but we don't believe that. The reason I say that is because if we believed it, we'd be acting different. We'd be living different. We can speak it, but is it really true in our life? Back on February 26th, there was what's been called the Damascus Summit. And that Damascus Summit, Muhammad Ahmadinejad, the president of Iraq, 
the Hezbollah Secretary General, General Hassan Nasrallah, and the Syrian President Bashar al-Assad met in Damascus. The whole reason for that meeting was to pull these Arab countries and these, in essence, terror-funding countries together against Israel and the United States. Beloved, this happened just a few months ago. And in the midst of that Damascus summit, Muammar Ahmadinejad, the president of Iran, said there will be a Middle East war in the summer of 2010. Where are we at right now? We are on the verge of the summer of 2010. It was during that meeting that they had that Ahmadinejad also spoke, and he says, quote, that Arab nations would usher in a new Middle East without Zionists and without colonialists. In other words, we're going to get rid of Israel. If you remember back in April of this year, Iran tested a long-range missile. And the world was all shaking and rattling, and we heard a little bit about that. But, beloved, it's in preparation for what I believe is going to happen, yes, even this summer. And you say, well, that's, I'm not really sure that that's going to happen this summer. Well, believe me, there is a lot that you and I do not hear on the major news broadcasts. Retired Major General Paul Vallelli. He's a senior military advisor for Fox News, but he's also a highly decorated and highly retired general. Served not only tours in Vietnam, but has served all over the world. Was on, again, advisory councils for President Reagan. He spoke just this last week about some particular events that have been going on in Lebanon. Two weeks ago, a Russian-made kilo-class nuclear submarine landed in the port of Beirut, Lebanon. Coming out of that submarine with a Russian flag on it, they were unloading cargo, and those who were unloading the cargo had on hazmat suits. They were unloading either chemical or nuclear warfare onto the port of Beirut, Lebanon. And if you know anything about the geography, Beirut, Lebanon is just a stone's throw from the border of Israel. Even as they spoke there, we also know that Hezbollah, the terrorist organization that is in charge in Lebanon, along with the help of Iran, has been armed with a tremendous amount of weaponry even now. And all of them are aimed at Israel, including a multitude of thousands of Scud missiles. Among those Scud missiles are the ones that are called the Shahab 3 class Scud missiles. These are Iranian-designed, and they are mid-range ballistic missiles. Right now, through these Scud missiles that are solid-fuel rockets, they're more accurate and with a longer range than has ever been used in that part of the country or in ever, ever been used in that part of the world, and all with Israel as a potential target. Right now, they have the range from Lebanon to reach any and every target they want within Israel, even all the way down to Elat, there at the tip of the Red Sea. During all of this, they've also built numerous trenches that go from the border of Lebanon underneath the border with Israel to be able to usher in, again, secretly guerrilla warfare individuals going into the country of Israel. All of these things going, up, going on even right now as we speak. And you think that uh, 
we're going to, as a nation, you think we're looking at this and thinking about this very much? It's interesting that the United States is not listed in biblical prophecy at all that we can see, that we can understand. Why would that be? I think primarily because you look at the United States right now, and the economic standing of our country right now will probably prohibit us from being too much involved. Because if we take too many losses, if we get too spread out, we know that it will be the collapse of our economy. But yet, even at that, found out that just Friday, back May 21st, just a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, Carrier Strike Group 10 which was led by USS Harry S. Truman, set sail from Norfolk, Virginia, to join with USS Dwight David Eisenhower off the coast of Iran in the Persian Gulf. Along with them is a German warship, the frigate Hessen, and they're being operated under American command. There's a new buildup of troops around Iran that's taking place even right now. And over the next three months, they believe that that will peak in July, August time frame, the summer of 2012. He says included in those buildups are 600 Marines that are on the Harry S. Truman right now that are headed toward that group. And not just any Marines, are 6,000 Marines. 6,000 Marines who have just recently gone through special ops training. And beloved, if you know anything about Marines, Marines don't stay in the water. They come on land. And so they are preparing to be able to do something once they get over there. Along with these ships, there's one guided missile cruiser, the USS Normandy, Normandy, and three guided missile destroyers, the USS Winston Churchill, the USS Oscar Austin, and the USS Ross. All of this that's heading toward the Persian Gulf, even as you and I speak. Have you heard a whole lot about that on the news lately? Nothing at all. And yet even right now, these things are going to take place. Why doesn't our news broadcast want us to know about that because as soon as we believe that there is impending war you and i stop being consumers we're not going to be too worried about buying that new flat screen tv we're not going to be too worried about buying that new car this or that suddenly we become non-consumers and the economy of the united states then comes to a screeching halt and so our country is saying peace peace at the very same time i believe that we are getting ready for something this summer that is going to wake up the whole world it's interesting israel is not being quiet about this themselves just this past week the last week of may israel held what they called turning point four it's their annual tactical preparedness uh drill but yet this time it went across the nation of israel and again affecting and impacting eight major cities throughout israel And during this time is getting the preparedness of the population of Israel to be ready for any kind of attack, whether it be conventional attack, nuclear, or chemical. And in preparation for this, 7.5 million gas masks were distributed to the nation and to the populace of Israel even right now. Do you think that Israel thinks that something may be going on? I definitely believe so. They say, oh no, this is just our yearly thing that's going on. No, they know better. No, there was other news about flotillas that were going off of the coast of uh, Israel over this last couple of weeks, and I believe that they were just decoys for what was happening up in Beirut. All of this going on And again, not a word from our major news networks.
But what is Israel going to do? What is Israel going to do? I can guarantee you they're not going to sit by and allow themselves to be bombed. Israel at one time, we can look in Israel right now, and if you take the tour of Israel, and I'm not afraid of going to Israel, because you know what? If you go, you might as well be the first one to go. So, uh, uh, But when we go to Israel, you can go to Masada, and on the top of Masada, again, it is a memorial of Israeli soldiers who, again, they committed suicide rather than go under bondage of the Roman armies back during the early, the first century. During this time, now, they used to take the current Israeli soldiers up to Masada again to show them that, again, we don't want this to happen again. And so Israel has this mindset, this, uh, this, this, again, this, uh, uh, this direction that right now what they have is what they call the Samson option. Not Masada of just simply sacrificing our lives. But if you know the story of Samson, Samson took his life while taking out the lives of all the Philistines. And that's the mindset of Israel even right now. And they know that, you know what? You push once, we're going to push twice, and we're going to push twice first if we can. And right now, with everything that's being built up and all the threats and all the saber-rattling that's going on, I would not be surprised that with Syria still building up nuclear enrichment factories, that Israel is going to launch something to, again, destroy one of those factories. It was only about two years ago that Israel destroyed one of those factories, and no one heard anything about it. Syria said, oh, it was just a bunch of warehouses, nothing big. No, it was a nuclear facility for the enrichment of uranium and now we look at what's going on here and beloved it's time to wake up it's time for you and i as believers to understand that what's going on in the times and the seasons that we live in that we ought to be serious of our walk in christ and again our dedication to the things of god rather than toying around with the things that are in this world all of these events, all of these things that are going on, and many believers still asleep. And some of those that are awake are still in their jammies. They're not clothed properly. They're not clothed with the weapons of our warfare. We're not really ready to go into any kind of a time that's going to inflict or impact the relative ease that we live in. We've been lulled asleep, and yet the enemy is ready and prepared to do something it's going to wake up, I believe, the world. Do you believe that if Israel does a first strike into Syria or even into Lebanon, with even as Lebanon has all of those Scud missiles pointed toward, do you think that if Israel does that first attack that the rest of the world won't turn to Israel and say, you are the aggressive one? This little bitty country, no bigger than New Jersey, that is surrounded by the giants of the Arab nations. You are the aggressive one. This little bitty country that has all of this weaponry pointed toward it, ready to wipe out is its existence. No, Israel is the aggressive one. This little bitty nation who the Arabs have said, we are going to push you into the Mediterranean Ocean. And they're saying, no, you won't. So Israel is the aggressive one. And all the nations, as soon as Israel does anything, are going to turn toward Israel. 
and the pages of Ezekiel in your Bible are suddenly going to leap from your Bible to the front pages of your newspapers and to the screens of your TV because the reality of God's prophetic message, I believe that you and I may very soon have the opportunity to see fulfilled, yeah, even in our lifetime. And that's an exciting time to be in. It's not a time to be fearful of. It is a time to understand, man, God's word is true. And we're seeing all of this happen. It's being laid out point by point by point. What an amazing thing. That's why back in Romans, Paul tells us that the night, in verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What does he mean to cast off those works of darkness? Again, the lives of those that live in the dark, those who are not children of the light. And he says to put on that armor of light. And what is that armor of light? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul speaks in verse 13. He says, let us walk properly. The only way that we can walk properly is when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does he mean to walk properly? He means by that, and you have in many of your uh, versions, different words. Some say to walk honestly. Some say to walk nobly. Some might say to walk decently. It's the idea of behaving with propriety, understanding that my life makes a difference. And if I claim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, then my life ought to be different than the world around me rather than suddenly being caught up and I am now a chameleon inside the world and people cannot tell me from someone who is in the world. Jesus says we are in the world, but we're not to be a part of it. And all of these things, behave with propriety. As I've shared with you guys, I grew up with three other brothers, and the four of us brothers, we we used, I mean, to fight and fuss and argue and battle all the time was a pretty, consi- okay, it was an all-the-time thing. We, we just kind of lived that way. A turmoil was a part of our family. And our parents were always fearful to leave all four of us together. And whenever they would leave, they would tell us this one thing. Boys, you need to behave while we're gone. You need to behave. And we knew what that meant. We knew what behave meant. Because they knew that if they went and said, now listen, you guys don't be running in the house, don't be jumping on the furniture, don't be throwing a baseball in the house, don't be fighting and killing each other. We'd go down the list and say, well, we didn't do that, we didn't do that, we didn't do that. You know what? They didn't say anything about building a campfire in the living room. Let's go build a campfire in the living room. They knew that, and so they would just cover it and say, behave. Live your life properly while we're gone. And that's how you and I ought to be. We don't need to give every item of how you and I ought to live as believers. But it's interesting, Paul brings out just a few here. In bringing out these few, one of the first ones he speaks about is don't uh, live your life in revelry. Revelry, my new King James says. Well, that revelry, that's riotous actions, wild parties. And what does he mean by that? Again, just that, that non-caring kind of a lifestyle where you're just going and there's no care about what's going to the left, what's going to the right, what's going on behind you. You're just, you're just going on. And man, whatever feels good, you do it and you don't really care about what the testimony of Christ is in your life. You just live in any way that you want to. And Paul says, man, consider the time. Wake up. It's high time that you as a believer understand that that's not how our lives ought to be lived. He goes on with that, and he says, and, and not in drunkenness, and we don't need a whole lot of uh, description of what drunkenness means. 
Again, it's that idea and that understanding of being controlled by the spirit of a bottle rather than the spirit of a most holy God. And for a believer to live his life in drunkenness, love it, what a testimony that is to the outside world. He goes on to say not only that, but not in lewdness. That word lewdness is rather interesting. It, it comes from a Greek word, koteas. And we get the, 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 the English word koetas, uh, the, the sexual involvement going on. But in the context of what he's speaking here, it speaks of sexual immorality. The base of the word actually originally meant a couch. And it evolved into this idea, this thought of sexual immorality. That again, as a believer... The passions of our heart and life ought to be controlled by the Spirit of God, not by the burning spirit of a man. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, again, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Although The Open Word teachings are always available to you free of charge, if you'd like to help support this ministry, simply log on to our homepage at TheOpenWord.com and click on the support link to make a secure donation to this teaching ministry. Your donation can be set up as a one-time or regularly scheduled tax-deductible gift to this ministry. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.